0: Has a way of lifting up those who are weary and wearing down. I can testify to you about that. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on. I trust the Lord is just going to bless you in a very meaningful way as we worship together here for the next several moments. Uh, Here we are, Easter week, Passion week. What a great time for the church, and we are going to be jumping right back into a message that we began last week, one entitled, Stumble Proof. Now, listen, I don't plan these messages out necessarily I trust the Lord to lay these things on our heart and to bring them back. We've got quite a library of messages that we could share with you. It's very interesting to me, the subject matter of this one, given that this is Easter week. Now, I said that to say this. Beloved, God has a plan for your life. I can say that with utmost confidence. Whoever you are, God has a plan for your life. Now, here's the question. Are you responding to God's plan for your life? He has a plan for your life, that you follow Him, that you walk with Him, that you're in a relation with Him. Are you responding to that plan? Our text passage for this particular teaching is Jude chapter 1 as we continue through Jude but I want to read uh, another uh, passage that we're going to be dealing with or sharing with you here uh, somewhere toward the, the middle to the latter part of the message, and it's found in Isaiah. Again, a very relevant passage, and I want to read that for you right now. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 4, and the record puts it this way. Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered Him Punished by God, stricken by Him, and afflicted. Verse 5, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him, and by His wounds we are healed. Outlining God's purpose and plan For all of us, I trust you are responding. Let me pray for you, and we're going to jump right into this. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray that by your word, by Holy Spirit, you would minister to the needs of each and every one. Draw us to yourself. Help us not only to know your plan, but to purpose, to resolve, to pursue your plan with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up and to tell you a couple more things that might be taking place here in and around New Life. God bless. And I'm going to show you why. There are a lot of good people. I'm talking about good people. They open the doors for people. They help little old ladies across the street. Uh, Every Easter and Christmas, they put a dollar in the offering plate. Talking about some good people up in here. But listen to Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Look at verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Paul summarized that very sentiment in Romans chapter 4 when he says that he was, speaking of Jesus, was delivered over to death for our trespasses. Peter likewise uh, kind of uh, put all of this together, and, and it comes out sounding like this and, and 1 Peter chapter 2, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree or on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Look at this. Please don't misquote this or take it out of context. It says here, by his stripes you are healed. Your sinful condition can be taken care of. Hallelujah. Now here's the question that remains. God has a plan for you personally. But have you personally embraced God's plan for your eternity? God's provision, Jesus, once said to a sincere seeker of salvation. You can find this in John 3 and 7. You should not be surprised at my saying, you are there's that pesky little pronoun again. You must be born again. This seeker was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And Jesus is establishing before him, watch this, among a number of other things, he's saying, Nicodemus, your Jewishness won't cut it. Your Jewishness Won't do it. You must be born again. Obviously perplexed. Nicodemus asked him, you can find this in the first part of verse number 9. How can this be? Now, we've heard this over and over again, so we've had a a little bit of an opportunity to process it. But God is saying to, or Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you must be born the second time. And this grown man's scratching his head, like, what the, what are you talking about? Then Jesus got deep with him. Jesus got deep. Do you like it when Jesus gets deep with you? Gets beyond the, hey, how you doing? How's your mom and them? What was your golf score this week? Blah, blah, blah. Jesus got deep with Nicodemus. And he took him beyond the physical example. Look at verse 14 of John chapter 3. Now look, a little aside, let me see your eyeballs just a sec. How many of you, and I'm not going to make you do this, this is not a trap, I promise you. How many of you could quote John 3, 16? Probably everybody in this room could quote John 3.16. I'm reading for you right now John 3.14. If you're any mathematician at all, you know that this is just two verses before that verse that you've memorized. Are you with me? So look at it, and it kind of lends some context to what's going on. Here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Just as Moses. Now watch this. When Jesus said to this Jewish religious leader, Moses he got his attention. Nicodemus knew Moses. You see, Nicodemus had heard about Moses forever, as far as his forever, all of his life he had heard about Moses. He had had uh, had read of it often from the scrolls, no doubt. As a Jewish religious leader, he had probably proclaimed. This truth that he is about to hear over and again. So it got his attention. Boy, Jesus is slick like that, isn't he? Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus, slick. He is. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. There's a story there. There's a type there. How many of you know Jesus was lifted up? On a cross, a tree, an instrument of crucifixion. We're being told here that that had to happen. And I can just imagine that Nicodemus began to think, oh, so that's what that snake, serpent, pole thing was all about. Then look at verse 15. That everyone who believes in him, I still love that word, everyone. Look right here. Right here. Panic in the nursery. Panic in the nursery. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. One of the, I thought I saw one of the kids escape from the nursery. The fire department will get him. We're cool. Right here. Just kidding about that escapee. Maybe. <laughs> that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Probably a much better way to express this in English is to say that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life. There are a lot of people that say with their head, I believe in Jesus. What they're saying is, I know this historical figure walked and talked, walked on the earth once upon a time. But we're not just talking about lending mental credence. We're talking about putting your trust in this one and trusting yourself to this one. Let me ask you this morning, whether you're here or there, wherever you might be, have you of your own free will entrusted your eternal destiny to the wisdom of the ages? The plan of God, the standard, the one that provided a Savior. Have you? Here's some good news. If you would have to say, No, I'm here to tell you, you can before you leave this place today, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. So hang on. Perhaps you would answer that question, Yeah. Yes. I'm, I have trusted Jesus, I have put my trust in Jesus he's my savior he's my lord yes then listen up because i trust you'll be encouraged with these last few little things we're going to share with you this morning beloved jude gives us one of the most enlightening and encouraging truths of all of the holy scriptures look at verse 24 again to him who is able to keep say it with me you from falling we told you we had titled this message stumble proof I almost put stumble prevention in there and I felt checked stumble proof it's good watch this let me help you remember Jude spent the majority of this short letter warning us about a bunch of godless goomers who are intent to drag you down, believer, and to drag you away from God in order that you might enjoin them in a lifestyle of, according to Jude, polluting your own bodies, rejecting godly authority, and slandering God's created beings. Listen to me. That lifestyle, will bring to you the same destiny as the illustrations that Jude gave to us. It will bring to you the same destiny as that of Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember those twin cities? How did things turn out with them? Say, not too good. Jude reminds us uh, their end is to suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Beloved, fill in number five with me on your notes. Here's some good news. God is able to keep you from falling into the lure and the enticement of the tricks and the traps of these godless goomers. And this is, it is that transformative, supernatural miracle that I was talking about earlier. This is it, that he can, this is what he can exact within you. In fact, I am here this morning to testify to you that there is such a level of grace that will position you, whoever you are, that will position you to start sensing grace. Pity for the godless instead of being duped into joining into their momentary and destructive sin. These are not going to be on the screen. I'm going to hit them real quick. I just want you to catch this. You may, in fact, I think the references are on your study notes. But Peter tells us about Abraham's nephew, Lot, speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah. He tells us about Abraham's nephew, Lot, who was according to, where my, uh, this is in first, uh, Second Peter chapter 2, that Lot was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. That word distressed is about a foot-long Greek word that means to wear down. Understand what he's saying. Lot was wore down by the filthy lives of lawless men. Can I get a testimony right there? Let me say this to you. God has a way of lifting up those who are weary and wearing down. I can testify to you about that. Praise the Lord. Here's another time you can read about this in Acts chapter 17. You Bereans will love this. Paul lived the same experience once upon a time. He was in Athens and we read this. He was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. The city was full of idols. This is a different Greek word than that one that uh, Peter used. And this one means provoked. It means irritated. It means spurred to action. Listen, beloved, their idolatry, the idolatry of the Athenians, did not cause Paul to, it did not lure him, but rather it had become lurid to him. It had become shocking to him. How can that be? God help us, all of us. And this is my prayer for New Life Community Church and for the greater community of the body of Christ, that God would help us to live like Job, the man from us. We're told in the word that he feared God and shunned evil. And that was even before Holy Spirit infilling. People tell me all the time as a matter of excuse, oh, you can't live like that nowadays. I know you can't live like that nowadays, but in the power of the Spirit, you can live like that. That's what God has purposed for you. Don't try to talk a fellow into not believing that that's been living it. Amen. Mm -hmm. About out of time. I'm just getting ready to preach. Hope y'all brought a sandwich with you. One of the verses I committed to memory a long time ago is what I call the backdoor verse. It's found in 1 Corinthians 10. I'm going to hasten because I know when your seat wears out, your ears shut down. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. Listen carefully, church. Back half of the verse says God is faithful. He will not let you. There it is again. He will not let you be tempted. Is there a period there? That's not the end? God won't let me be tempted. I'll never be tempted again because I am God's child. Is that what it says? Here's what it says. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. One of the things that's being said there is that you're going to be tempted but he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, see, there you go, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Beloved, this is one of the primary means by which God keeps his faithful ones from falling. He provides a pathway of escape from the temptation ergo the back door verse as i call it he also provides a way of escape from the tempters there's an old saying floating around my head i'm trying to get a hold of it sometimes those things are elusive sounds something like this birds of a feather flock together you familiar with that that old saying you see, for the born again, when we, when we, our feathers are supposed to look like Jesus. Amen. And when you see a flock over there that doesn't have the same feathers as you, that's a sign. That's right. That's right. Here's your sign. <laughs> Number six on your study notes. I believe this. If you haven't got there yet, pray about this trust the Lord but I believe this every time somebody say every time Every time a child of God, I'm not talking about somebody that's a member of a religious institution, but every time a child of God experiences the grace of God through the provision of God, it sets off this little quote-unquote spark way down in the bowels of one's spirit. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know of any other way to say it. I thought I said it pretty well listen, when I begin to realize that God has delivered me once again, I am faced with a temptation and I'm looking around like, oh my goodness, there's a temptation about to get on me. What am I gonna do? And I hear this still small voice that says, look behind you. Oh, a door, a way of escape. Every time I hear that, and realize that God has delivered me once again by providing an escape from near and present danger, that spark soon enough catches air and begins to gain momentum. You know what I'm talking about. Now listen, I know some of you are looking back at me thinking, man, you're the most emotional dude I ever met in my life. I'm really not. But I'll tell you one thing, when that spark begins to catch fire in there and begins to well up, something begins to happen inside me. I'm not telling you it has to happen that way in you. But I believe something begins to happen. That spark begins to to gather momentum or gain momentum. And before you know it, my tongue is released to express glory. When is the last time you expressed glory? Glory, Go ahead right now with me. Glory. Some of you haven't shouted glory in so long. You don't even know how. Glory and majesty and power and authority. Those are Jude's words. Those are not my words. To the one that has kept me and preserved me and empowered me for victory. Beloved... That experience isn't just for pasta Jude makes it clear it's for all ages, both now when he said it and forevermore. Listen, beloved, if it would preach then, then it'll preach now. If it was worthy of the declaration of praise then, it is worthy of the declaration of praise now. That is Jude's doxology. The benediction comes next. It's about as concise and practical as they come. One word. Amen. I've got a feeling Jude would be the kind of guy you'd like to call on to pray at a church potluck. (laughs) You you don't ever call on that guy that prays around the world. We'll never get to eat. Well, you just say, amen, shut up. You just said, amen. Are you familiar with this term, amen? When I do this, that means if you're familiar, you raise your hand. Are you familiar? Okay, thank you. Thank you very for patronizing me there that way. Aren't you glad you don't have some old boring preacher that never has you raise your hand? What does it mean? Has anybody said it this morning? Didn't have a clue what it meant. Some people think it's Greek for sick'em. Amen, preacher. Sick'em, sick'em, get them, get them, preacher. Get them old sinners. Get them old heathen. Sick'em. Watch this. the The Hebrew derives from the word for truth. Everybody say truth. Write that on your study notes somewhere. Truth. We. Americans in particular nearly always place an amen at the end of our prayer or our speaking. As such, here's what it means. This is your last study note. It means I believe that what I just prayed or what I just spoke is true. Amen. What I just prayed or spoke is true. That's what it means. Now, Jesus was a Hebrew, and the Hebrews quite frequently placed this word at the beginning or the opening of his or their remarks. Do you recall the times in the Gospels in particular where Jesus would say, verily, verily, I say unto you, he was saying amen and amen. In other words, what I'm about to say to you in this case, I believe what I am about to say is true. Now, you know, in the New Testament, uh, in particular, again, in our culture, this word has come to mean something like this. So let it be. We pray, we speak, we say amen. We're saying, Lord, I believe it's true. Lord, let these things come to us. Essentially, that is what Jude was saying. What a fitting way for him to punctuate these truths with this simple amen. Amen. I believe what I just wrote to y'all is true. May these truths be fulfilled. May they be lived out both now and forevermore. Beloved, that's going to conclude this particular teaching. And let me conclude uh, this segment by talking to you about this. We've been speaking all through this teaching on Jude. We've been speaking about this group that I've referred to as some godless goomers. That doesn't have to be you. Those are persons that have purposed to go against God's purpose and plan, not only for their own life, but for humanity. That doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to involve you. Now, you may come in contact with some persons like that from time to time, but I believe, as we've indicated in the message, that God has provided us with a power to be victorious, not only in our personal life, but even as we encounter those who have purpose to go against God's plan. Now you're going to run into those people a lot in this present world, and the world that we live in today. There's still great hope that God can change them and that God can use us toward that end. I want to be an encouragement to you to live your life just that way. To be a follower of Christ, not only select some secret thing that's going on in your heart, but you'll be a follower of Christ in terms of letting your witness be known. In fact, Acts chapter 1 says that we're given Holy Spirit to enable us to be a witness. Holy Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit that resurrected Jesus from the dead has been given to live within us to empower us to be about God's business. It's good to know that, isn't it? By saying that, let me ask you this, how are you doing with that? You see, you still have to connect and you still have to be mindful and you still have to put forth the effort to engage what God has provided, and I trust you're doing exactly that. That's what I want to encourage you to do through and by means of New Life Telecast. I pray that you'd get a hold of these truths. Before I go away this morning, let me remind you that New Life has in-person worship gatherings Sunday morning, at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, something for nearly the whole family. And listen, folks, I'm telling you, the Lord is just moving in places that are looking for God's move. We've been having some tremendous uh, worship celebrations here, and we would love for you to be a part of that. If you have any questions about what we do at New Life or some questions about what we talk about on the program, be reminded that you can email me, that address right there on the screen, email your questions, and I will be glad to answer those questions. Perhaps if it's something dealing with a a topic from New Life Telecast, uh, we'll answer that question on the air. No doubt, if you have a question, there are others out there that have the same question, uh, don't hesitate to ask uh, We'll answer that anonymously But we would love to hear from you My time is completely gone I am Terry Knight, The pastor of New Life Community Church Wishing you a great week And remember my friends Jesus is coming back Is he coming back for you? Lord God